All right, well, let's grab our Bibles and open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you will. And this morning we continue our series entitled, The End is Only the Beginning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's read verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. From the very beginning of the church, the anticipation of Jesus' second coming, his return physically to this earth, has been something that's guarded and guided the hearts and minds of every believer since. Paul is writing to a church in his time that had been told that the day of the Lord, that day of judgment, had come due to the fact that they were experiencing incredible tribulation, persecution, suffering. And then on top of it, they received a letter from some uh, erroneous source stating that they had missed the gathering together to the Lord, the rapture of the church, and now they were uh, experiencing this day of judgment when Paul had assured them in his first letter to them that they would be spared the wrath of God. So you can understand how they would be shaken in mind or alarmed because now they felt that maybe they had been left behind. We as believers in Jesus Christ look forward to the return of our Lord and Savior physically to this earth. The day of the Lord is a term that is used from uh, Genesis to Revelation to indicate a twofold uh, occurrence. Number one, it is the judgment of all sin, injustice here on this earth. But it also is accompanied with the restoration of all things. For example, the earth itself that had been subjected to sin and death will be restored. And eventually, as we get to Revelation 21 and 22, we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. And that's why we've entitled this series, The End is Only the Beginning. If we as believers only look to the second coming of Jesus Christ as the climactic event of the book of Revelation, we miss everything that still is future from that. And that is the new heavens and the new earth that God promises us. But along the way, there can arise difficulties, crises in our society, in our time, that would cause us to consider, have we grown close or are we at the return of Jesus Christ? And again, nothing propels that more forward in the thinking of the individual than a crisis like we had just recently experienced. The number one question that I get constantly as a pastor, was COVID-19 the beginning of the end, you know? 
No, but I do believe that it once again pushes us to the reality that the end is closer than we think that it is. There are too many things happening in our world today for us to turn a blind eye to. We have the reestablishment of the nation of Israel. We have the church slipping into a position of apostasy. We have a geopolitical scene like we've never seen before. And the one thing that COVID had demonstrated to all of us is that globalization of the entire planet can incur within a matter of months. This is something that could have never, ever occurred before in our time. What we saw happen, we, uh, it was happening so quickly that many couldn't believe their eyes. And we saw the whole world subjugated to the direction of one organization, the World Health Organization, didn't we? So how much easier or harder would it then be to see and recognize that an individual leading the whole world into the end is so possible and probable today in our society that we can no longer ignore the time in which we live. In Matthew chapter 16, the Lord Jesus rebuked the religious leaders for not knowing the signs of the times. They wanting further signs, he then said to them, the only sign that you shall receive is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Three days, of course, in the belly of the whale, three days in the belly of the earth, then resurrecting on the third day. But he told us that if you see a red sky in the evening, you know tomorrow is going to be a good day. If you see the red sky in the morning, you know that that day is going to be uh, tumultuous. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be one of those days that you don't take the boat out of the harbor. You and I need to be aware of the signs of the times. Things are changing so rapidly before us that our, many of us, our heads are spinning. Being a parent and looking to coach my daughter and to raise her the way God would have me to raise her and to advise her and to counsel her as her father, it's becoming more and more difficult each and every day because I cannot personally relate to the society in which she's growing up in. This is no longer like the 80s at all. Though the 80s music is still here. Did you notice that? We had the best music ever in the 80s, you know. I mean, my goodness. It, it's, I, I got to tell you, though, I did hear one of my favorite songs from the 80s, though, put into an elevator music, uh, and I was just like, either they really were looking for new material, or I'm older than I think, you know. Uh, no, it wasn't, Jeff, but <laughs> uh, in fact, Jeff, that was before my time. Um, But talking with my daughter today and, and hearing what she's experiencing on her college campus and, and listening to her and praying with her, there are just some things I personally cannot relate to. We're getting closer to the return of Jesus Christ, closer than we've ever been before. Amen. These last few months have shown that. Many have asked... Well, can you give us the big picture? What does it look like from the macro view? Can you help us with some type of illustration that would give us a timeline? And again, the timeline that I talk about is not a timeline set by dates, but by events. I believe right now we are in a period that the Bible calls the church age. The time that the grace of God is reigning. 
that will conclude with the rapture of the church. And to illustrate that, we see here on this timeline behind me that after the rapture of the church, the Bible then speaks of a period of time of seven years. This is found in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. And if you want the details of those seven years, you can discover those details in those chapters. If you want to know where the seventh year, the seven-year period comes from, that is found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And we'll look at that as we progress on in our study. But in the middle of that seven-year period of time, the Bible tells us something happens to this world leader that appears on the stage. When he appears, it's the first event that I believe that is recorded for us in Revelation chapter 6. He's the rider on the white horse that comes in a manner of deception, who has a bow and arrow rather than a sword. It is the arrival of the Antichrist, and that is what Paul is going to show us in just a moment. Notice what he says here. Let no one deceive you, for the day of the Lord, that day, that's what he's speaking of, verse 3, will not come unless the rebellion, which we'll talk about next week, and the lawless one, the man of lawlessness, this is another term for the Antichrist, is revealed, the son of destruction. But once he is revealed, he is revealed in a way where he promises peace and prosperity to the entire world, the Bible says. He becomes the global figure that all have hoped for. You know, he is so good at his political uh, position that he can reconcile those who were never reconciled before, like Fox News and CNN, or uh, Antifa, and every other human being. This individual will unite the world like the world has never been united before, the scriptures tell us. He will seem to have the answers to all of the world's problems. He will answer questions that, the, that has been plaguing the entire world, and he'll bring to justice those injustices that so many within the world believe that they are currently experiencing to propel his population even further. However, though, then the Bible says something happens to him in the middle of this seven-year period of time. The book of Zechariah tells us that this woeful shepherd is mortally wounded. This comes along the lines of Revelation 13. And on the third day, he appears to be completely healed of his mortal wounds and rise again. Boy, I think I've read that someplace before. But then at that moment, Revelation 13 says that Satan himself fills this man. And the world is plunged into one of the darkest, if no, the darkest period of its existence. It is so dark and horrible that if the Lord himself had not returned, there would be nothing left on the earth to remain. This Antichrist is the one that will govern and reign. From Revelation and also from Daniel 7, we realize that he will arise from a confederacy of ten nations that will come together to unify and solidify this world. Some believe it will be 10 zones. What's interesting is that during this pandemic, I don't know if you realized it, 
but they at one point began to look at the world in the, in the manner of zones rather than individual countries to try to, of course, mitigate the virus from spreading any further. This is what the Bible tells us on a macro view. And then, of course, at the end of the seven-year period of time, Revelation 19, the Lord Jesus Christ returns. He establishes his kingdom for 1,000 years in the millennial reign, Revelation 20. And then Revelation 21 and 22, the new heavens and the new earth are created. And that's where we all say amen, because at that moment there will be no more sorrow and tears and pain and suffering and injustice. And it'll be the way God always intended it to be. Sin will no longer affect the entire creation. Death will be no more. And the Lord will reign as our king for eternity. That's the blessed promise. That is why we entitled this the beginning. I'm sorry, the end is only the beginning. But please know that both Paul and Jesus began their teaching concerning the last days with a warning. Jesus says in Matthew 24, he says, Now please let no one lead you astray. Paul says here, obviously, due to the fact of the circumstances that they found themselves in, let no one deceive you. We find that at the moment of the climax of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the years following that event, it will appear that deceit is the bedrock of all that takes place in and through the world system that remains. The Bible clearly tells us that Satan is the ruler of this world, the master of all deceit and deception. And when I talk about deceit and deception, deceit and deception is the promise made to a person by someone or something to cause them to believe that something is uh, true that is not true in order to gain something from them or to cause them to lose something that they have. That is deceit. That is deception. It is hated by God. It is unknown to his character. God cannot deceive anyone. It is foreign, completely foreign to his holy nature and character. But our world will be a world filled with deceit. Again, promising things to people to either gain something from them or to take something away from them that they treasure, that they value. They will be promised something that is not true. They will believe in that lie and they will be taken and exploited in the wake of that deception. Now, during the quarantine, some very interesting things happened. Two and a half months. Two and a half months, many of us were locked inside, but some fared better than others. This young man was downstairs playing video games so long that he began to turn into a dog. You know, I knew some people weren't shaving, 
I knew people couldn't go and get their hair cut, but I didn't think it would ever get this bad, right? This video game brought about him turning into a dog, right? Because that's what you see there, right? It's clear as day, right? No, that's it right there. Wow, that video game. I always knew those video games were from Satan, you know? This poor woman, after the lockdown and the quarantine, discovered that she has to buy two pairs of shoes at a time, right? She now has four feet. I don't understand that. Four, right? We all see that, right? I mean, she has four feet. Now when she goes to Walmart, she has to find two of the exact same pairs of shoes before she can check out. You see it there for yourself, right? When Florida reopened, there's a park in Florida called Bush Gardens. Many of you may be familiar with it. Maybe you've been there yourself. They are currently now offering what they call... Uh-oh, is it not coming up? Pelican rides. Pelican rides. Right? You see it, right? I can sell you a ticket right now for Bush Gardens, half the face value of it. And it includes a pelican ride. That would not only be a lie, but it would be deceitful. I would be gaining your money and you would be losing your money in hopes that you would gain a ride on a pelican. I don't know if you guys knew this, but when I was asked as a little kid in Florida one time by a stranger what I wanted to be when I grow up, I said, I either want to be an astronaut or a pelican. Again, I had high aspirations at that time. Now, we see these things with our eyes, and our immediate reaction to them is that we must be looking at these images incorrectly. But isn't it really the fact and the manner in how these images are presented to us that matter? On Friday, we looked at this picture together. See, perspective is everything. This is a picture that I once uh, saw in a media class that I attended. And again, if you look at the one picture, it looks like, you know, she's a, a carnivore, right? that she's a cannibal. But you see in the other picture that she is only being the mother that she was created to be. Deception. Deception is often predicated on the perspective in which we're being offered and given. And if we've seen anything over the last three months as we've seen this, number of articles written with headlines that are scary and frightening and terrifying and then you read the article and you realize that that headline does not portray the article that has been written i read one about the state of colorado during the quarantine that the state of colorado's numbers had tripled in just one week the number of covid cases had tripled in colorado in just one week <gasps> right? Then began to read the article to discover that it went from five cases to 15. This is the bedrock that is being placed under the foundation of our society, to asking people to then believe and to trust within it. It's not real. 
we are being deceived. I have heard more people in the last year tell me this than ever before. I don't know who or what to believe anymore. Have you heard that statement from people? In fact, the the polling numbers are so low right now concerning the various institutions and organizations that once held um, high regard by the populace within our nation, now the numbers are so low, referring to their credibility and their reliability, that people no longer trust them. It's very difficult, isn't it? When the media has an agenda and and it has a you know, uh, it has become propaganda and it's furthering their purposes rather than simply informing, truthfully, the populace of the nation. It's very difficult to hear experts vacillate from one extreme position to another, isn't it? You know, I've lived 52 years. I don't know if I'm supposed to eat eggs or not still. Every single time I turn around, somebody changes their opinion on me. I love eggs. Eggs are awesome. But then I'm told I'm not to eat them. Then I'm told that I need to eat more. Then I'm told that I'm not to eat any and not even look at chickens. And then I'm told to eat the egg and the chicken all at the same time, you know. I believe that what we see is our culture being cultivated for the arrival of the Antichrist. Because we don't know what to believe anymore. We want to believe. We want to do what's right. We want to be good citizens and right, responsible individuals. But we just don't know who to believe. Let's talk about masks for a minute. You're not meant to wear a mask. You are meant to wear a mask. You're not meant to wear a mask. You are to wear a mask. Because now you are keeping the COVID virus from spreading to others. Then the World Health Organization says, well, an asymptomatic person who has uh, no symptoms is very unlikely to give that to someone else. And then in one day, when that answer appeared no longer popular, they changed the whole entire thing again. And if you read the articles, they say, well, yes, some models say this and other models say that. And so we were referring to these models and we were uh, discounting these models. It's like... And you're the expert, right? You're the expert. We don't know what to believe anymore. Those who are in their 20s and late teens are struggling desperately to know what to believe. To know what to believe. And I believe that this insecurity and uncertainty has laid the foundation for the ultimate lie. The ultimate deception. The ultimate coming of the wicked one. When Paul writes here and he says, do not be deceived by anyone, he's talking about a deception that is so thorough that it causes the person to completely and to 100% buy into the ideology or the belief system to the point that they are making and des- their decisions and uh, performing their actions upon that belief system. When we see the riots taking place in the United States of America, 
And we begin to peel the onion back to find out what is the real ideology that's driving all of this. Because whatever it is, they surely must believe it to act in the accordance in which they do, right? But when you start peeling it back, you start to discover that the original intents are not the true motivations for what we see occurring within our society. It just didn't make sense to me that we are standing up for the injustices of black Americans throughout the nation, and yet we're displacing black business owners one right after another. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me when nine African Americans have been killed by protesters in the United States over the course of the last two and a half weeks. How does that make sense? How does that continue in the narrative in which we are being told that we need to accept? Some of you here might have attended the Black Lives Matter rally right here in Algonquin. 300 people came out. Within 10 minutes of the rally, the individual activist got up there and began to say that the root cause of all of the difficulties and the oppressions of the African American here in America is due to capitalism. That's why we must become a socialistic society. What? Talk about a head shake. And people in the crowd, according to Pastor Joe, who was there, he, they, they, their people were looking around and saying, I'm not making the connection between the two. Again, deception is a person or something, and that something can be an ideology that causes you to believe something that is not true in order to gain something from you or to take something away from you. And Paul is stating here, due to the confusion that they are already experiencing here in Thessalonica concerning the rise of the Antichrist and the day of the Lord, he said, let no one deceive you. These things will not occur until these events take place. And he goes on to spell it out. But you and I today now, we live in a vacuum of confusion. But I tell you that the Bible clearly expresses to all of us that God is not the God of confusion. And in the thousand voices that are screaming at people today, believe us, believe us, here's here's what you should think, here's what you should do. That's the way young people express it to me almost every week at our youth group. These voices yelling at us constantly, what we should do, what we should believe, how we should act, how we should do it. And I believe that those thousands of voices are there for one purpose, and that is to drown out the still small voice that says, I love you. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I've sent my son to die for you. I will answer the questions that are plaguing your mind and riddling your heart with anxiety, worry, and fear. But it's so hard to hear that voice amongst all the other voices. It's like standing in a stadium being surrounded by 60,000 people all yelling something different at the same time and trying to hear that one voice. You are mine. I created you in my image. But here's the thing about God. God always gets through. Regardless of the static and the noise that His voice may be surrounded by, His Word always cuts through. And it is not... It's only a matter of time 
Not if, but when individuals begin to focus in on the fact that what is really hindering their ideas of a progressive society is not capitalism. It's Christianity. See, Christianity says we were created in God's image, male and female. Christianity tells us that God created us for a relationship with Him, that He has now provided for us through His Son. And there's a reason that we are here and that we exist. And God does not want us to reflect the, 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 the wild, consuming ideologies of this world, but to reflect Him into this world. This world often attracts individuals by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The world is constantly trying to say, we have something better for you. Don't miss out on it. But we are seeing at a pace like never before that that is incredibly inaccurate. So when Paul talks about let no one deceive you, he says, let no one mislead you on the path in which you are walking. Let no one take you off of that path. Let no one lead you astray uh, for an erroneous view concerning the truth. He's saying to each and every one of them, stay the course. The Bible tells us clearly that we can be uh, deceived by someone or something. The Bible says that we can even deceive ourselves by not looking at our circumstances objectively. And in each and every case, it is often taking from us those things that God would have for us and surrendering them to the things of this world. When the disciples asked Jesus concerning the return, his return, he said to them in Matthew 24, 3 and 4, he says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be concerning his return and the, what will be the signs of your coming? And when will be the end of the age? And Jesus answered them. The first thing that he said to them is, See, and let no one lead you astray. The very first thing out of his mouth. But in this world of deception that began and was conceived and birthed at the fall of all mankind, let us journey back to that moment in history in Genesis chapter 3, if you will, when Satan confronted Eve in the garden in the shape of a serpent. And he began to speak with Eve and talk with Eve and to entice Eve to believe something that was not true. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say? That's really the beginning of all deceit, challenging the authenticity and the authority of God's word. Is God's word really true? Can you bet your life upon it? Is it worth sacrificing the exorbitant pleasures of this world to follow Jesus Christ in a self-sacrifice, selfless, humble manner? Is it really worth you putting yourself uh, below others and esteeming others higher than yourself and 
loving your neighbor as yourself and, and, and loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, isn't it more important that you just simply love yourself and enjoy life to its fullest? It sounds tempting, right? Did God actually say? What did God actually say, Eve? And because she seemed to be unclear or unsure of what God had said, he then tempts her further and deceives her further by saying, he says, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And I'm sorry, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God says you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, nor shall you touch it, which God never said, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, Eve, let me say, no, you're not going to die. God is keeping that from you because he knows that is the moment that you eat of these things, you too will be like him, knowing good from evil. Was that true? Portionally. Oh, she knew good from evil. But she also died, didn't she? Eventually. And through the, the copulation and through the temptation in which was given her and the deceit that was brought forward to her the world was plunged into sin and death wasn't it the ultimate deceit you see paul picks up on that in the new testament when he says this in second corinthians eleven three 3 and 4 he says but i am afraid that as the serpent deceived eve by his cunning your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to christ for if someone claims or comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we have proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you have received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you have accepted, you put up with it and readily enough. Meaning they were all too willing to lay down the truth for the lie. Satan today has come for one purpose, Jesus says to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he is doing an excellent job at that, isn't he? People's lives are being devastated, destroyed by this world. And there are individuals in this world that do not want to see a unified America. There are individuals in this world who do not want to see racial harmony in our nation. There are individuals in this world that want to remove us from underneath what they believe is an antiquated document called our Constitution. We now, folks, are faced with a grave reality. This Constitution that has provided for us over these last 200-some years freedom, and specifically the freedom in which to worship our God. You know, we've never seen a time where church was excluded from gathering have we oh we haven't we were going to start holding services in home depot because people were allowed to go there but we couldn't come here because as soon as you go to church you're going to get covid right 
And I'm not trying to be facetious and I'm not trying to diminish the number and the horrific number of people that died from this disease. But there was a there was a irrationale that was being put forward like never before and people were applauding it and so forth. The mayor of Chicago was arresting pastors, shutting down their parking lots, not allowing them to meet because again, they were not concerned about others' lives and yet 2 or 20,000 people can protest downtown Chicago and that's perfectly fine. There's a problem, isn't it? And we need to stand up for the truth. And we need to ask questions. We need to ask real questions. Because the world is now telling us that we are responsible for things that we have never committed. Our white privilege is now requiring us to feel guilty over something we never did. We are experiencing a time like we have never experienced before. Folks, listen. I'm the first one that will stand up against racial injustice in our nation. And what that officer did was horrific, and he should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law for it. But wait a minute. You're now having white people kneel before you, showing their solidarity to you? I'm sorry, but I don't kneel to anyone except my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, that's it. We're just protesting right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Folks, again, I want to look at these things objectively and clearly. What is really happening before us? Are we being sold a narrative that isn't true? Are we creating a, a false narrative that is leading us in a very certain and utterly destructive progression why is it that we are doing the things that we are doing in the name of racial injustice i'm the first one that will you know advocate for the right for someone to peacefully protest and i have no problem with people expressing their displeasure in what happened and their anger in what happened in a peaceful protest but when i read history and I begin to read concerning the number of individuals who were associated with the original civil rights movement here in America, denouncing what is going on in front of us, them being called Toms or Oreos due to it, I start to ask myself, what is, what is going on here? Martin Luther King brought forward an objective, and that objective was this. This is why we are protesting. We are protesting that every African-American black person in America have every uh, full right of the Constitution of the United States of America. Who here could not applaud that and say amen? But when we find out what their object, uh, objective is, they don't know. We are beginning to create the, the absolute environment for deceit like we have never seen it before. And notice with me, he asks them not to be moved or shaken or alarmed by what they have just experienced and what they had just heard. And then he proceeds to say, or follows to say, let no one deceive you in any way. Notice what happened here. In our text, as the Thessalonican church was going through a very difficult time, 
They were being persecuted for their Christian faith. They were losing their wealth, their material possessions, their place and prominence within a society. Then they get a a letter from an authority figure, they believing it to be Paul, stating that they are in the great day of the Lord. The The insecurity that they experienced, them being shaken in mind and alarmed, was due to the fact that their circumstances, which already have undoubtedly shaken them to the core, was uh, subsidized with a noted authority telling them that they had now entered into the great day of tribulation when Paul explicitly says in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians that that's not what occurred. And so, yeah, you can imagine being confused. One politician said it this way. Rahm Emanuel said that no crisis should ever go to waste. We're being thrown into a pandemic. We are being asked temporarily for the good of our neighbors to shelter in place and to allow the mitigation, the flattening of the curve to help spare lives and to save lives. And we as Americans voluntarily gave up our rights to do so, to go out and to live a free life accordingly because there was a greater need in place. And I was the first one. As soon as we saw that it was prudent to close the church, we did. Because again, the models were horrific and we were looking at two to you know, 2 to 2.2 million people dying of COVID here in the United States alone. But then something happened, didn't it? When the models began to change, when things began to show that they were not nearly as um, horrific as could be, we still needed to take into consideration our medical system to make sure that our hospitals were not overwhelmed. Because the picture that we were originally given was this, that they were afraid that individuals would have to be triaged and who lived and who died as they laid on the side of the road gasping for air. Who in the world would ever want to see that, right? I wouldn't. But then, after the Americans did what they did, and we shut down our economy... And people began to lose their businesses and so forth. As time continued on, people started asking questions. When irrational laws started to be in place in Michigan, you could go to Home Depot to buy certain things, but you couldn't buy carpet or paint or, or, um, you know, what was the other thing? Uh, Seeds. Seeds. Wow. You know, those drastic seeds couldn't cut your grass i'm in favor of that you know uh um couldn't go to a home that you you owned on the other side of the state but someone coming from outside of michigan could go to a a vacation place but you know of course all the necessities the essentials were available alcohol marijuana lottery tickets abortions do you know that lottery tickets and um, uh, marijuana and alcohol are taxed four times as high in Michigan as other things? It was a source of revenue. Now, do you feel exploited? If you were a Michigan resident, would you feel exploited? Would you venture out and begin to protest in your capital saying, hey, listen, we need to revisit this? 
And when they did, what happened? They were the vilest creatures on the earth, weren't they? They have no regard for anyone else's safety and so forth. But 20,000 people can protest without social distancing and masks. And the same medical community says this is good and healthy for our country. I posted it on my Facebook picture, their quote, that this is good and healthy. This is deception. We are seeing it in front of our eyes today. This is the bedrock of how the Antichrist is going to be able to come into power and to play. This is the means by which he is going to lead the world astray. So there are three things that we need to do as Christians to understand and to protect ourselves from deception. Number one, we have to realize that the Bible predicts it. The Bible clearly tells us that deception is going to be a part of the last day's scenario. Number two, we have to understand that it is possible for us to be deceived. So that being the case, that it is possible for us to be deceived, we then there need to prepare accordingly. So how do we prepare to know the truth? Now, I'm speaking as a Christian now, and I'm talking about knowing false from the truth concerning Christianity and biblical theology. The answer to the problem is this. Knowing the truth so well that you are able to spot the counterfeit, the lie, when it occurs. We can already see the hypocrisy in the manner in which some of these uh, individuals in authority have uh, acted and used their authority. And that's an alarm enough for us. But when it comes to the things of the Word of God, we need to know the Word of God. You see, Jesus told us something, that there is truth. There is absolute truth. And absolute truth isn't an ideology or a simple philosophical idea. The truth is a person. For Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. God's word is true, for God cannot lie, the Bible tells us. And so we can know the error from the truth by knowing the truth so well that when the error arrives, we can spot it. In the 1950s and 60s, when they were training this, the um, U.S. Treasury Department to find and locate counterfeit bills, they, un, they began to discover that it was an ominous task due to the fact that there were so many different counterfeit bills out there, no one could ever, ever truly see and understand all the different counterfeits that were out there. So someone had the brilliant idea of saying, let's not worry about the number of counterfeits, let's look at the true dollar bill. So they had their officers study the true dollar bill so thoroughly that when a counterfeit bill, no matter what manner it was counterfeit or inaccurate, they could spot it immediately. And as your pastor, that is my job to help equip you with the truth. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And God gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, pastors, and teachers for this purpose, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, 
for the building up of the body of Christ until we obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer to be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather we are to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with its equip, being equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up together in love. We have reflected, my wife and I, greatly on the last three months. This is one of those events that causes you to take a moment and pause and just take a step back to reevaluate everything. I remember doing it after 9-11 in 2001. I remember doing it in 2008 when the financial collapse in our nation occurred. And now I've done it again. And I see now that the horizon is cloudy here on this earth. We need to know the truth. We need to make sure that no one is taking advantage of us and exploiting us. We need to make sure that we are not uh, furthering a cause that we do not agree with, should we? But how do you see all of that through what has happened? How do you know what the root of these things are? The Bible says there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of this world. I will tell you after being a Christian for 34 years that I have never experienced love, joy, grace, mercy in my life like I have as a Christian. During the entire time that we were quarantined in, I experienced the peace that only God could give me. And I wasn't so much concerned for myself, but I continuously saw my 21-year-old daughter there in the house with me. And I was like, What's this world going to look like when she's my age? We have to understand that the fog of deceitfulness that we see rising in our culture, in our nation, in our world is that same fog that the Antichrist is going to take full advantage of to deceive people into believing that he is the answer for this world that he himself is a deity to even be worshipped, the Bible tells us. Let us not be deceived, but let us know truth from error. Let's pray.